Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Christina Fox. I'm so thankful to have you here. Welcome to the Women Encouraged podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Would you introduce yourself and just share with our listeners a bit of your story and your testimony, um, where you write, etc.? Well, uh, I grew up in Maryland outside of Washington, D.C. Um, I grew up in the church. Um, so from an early age, I would have said, believe in God. Um, however, it was in middle school when I was uh, being mentored and discipled by um, the pastor's wife of our church that really came to, you know, take what was my family's faith as my own. And so then I um, became, uh, like I made a profession of faith uh, in front of my church. And then um, in college, I went to a Christian college, just called Covenant College in uh, Georgia. Uh, where I studied sociology. I also met my husband there. I went on to do my master's in counseling at a university in Florida called Palm Beach Atlantic University. I worked in the counseling field for a while before having kids. Um, I've since uh, homeschooled my kids since almost from the beginning, um, which keeps me pretty busy. I Uh, understand that. (laughs) When they were little, I that's when I started um, just writing and serving women's ministry, which um, just gradually kind of over the course of time, you know, opened opportunities for me to write on you know, some bigger platforms and speak at women's retreats and conferences and writing books. And uh, currently I serve on the... Um, PCA's, uh, my denomination's national women's ministry team, um, and edit their ministry blog, which is called Encourage. Yes. Um, The book that we're talking about is Closer Than a Sister, and that's my second book. Okay. I'm really, really thankful about um, just for your writing. I've been following you for quite a while. Um, I don't think I mentioned that before we started (laughs) recording here, but um, yeah, I've been really thankful for your writing for a number of years. And I, I think I got to be on the launch team for your, your book about motherhood, um, Idols of a Mother's Heart. And well, you actually have two books on motherhood, but we won't get into all of that today. Um, Because your latest book is motherhood, isn't it? It's called Sufficient Hope, Gospel Meditations and Prayers for Moms. Right. And yeah, I actually have not had a chance to read that one yet, but um, the writing that you've done has been just very encouraging to me. It really, it speaks directly to the heart of our sin issues, of of the hope that we have in Christ. And so I'm really thankful about that. Um, the book that we're talking about today, like you mentioned, is Closer Than a Sister. What led you to write this? What is What are you seeing in the church or um, in, in women's ministries, perhaps, that that just directed you to try to fill that need with this book? That's a great question. Um, I would say that the book is really birthed out of my own 
experiences of seeking out and looking for community um, and deeper friendships in the church. I was first exposed to um, the kind of community that I write about in the book at my you know, small Christian college that I attended. You know, it was there that I participated in you know, prayer groups and accountability groups and just you know, the school was just like a, a big family and the faculty and staff modeled for us, you know, what it looked like to live in Christian community. Yeah. So when I graduated and got married and moved uh, to a whole new state and town that I didn't know anybody, I kind of expected when I walked into, uh, you know, church on Sunday morning that this church would already be like ready and waiting to uh hand me community. <laughs> right. But I quickly learned that wasn't going to be the case and that um, while God created community through, you know, the death of his son, um, we have to cultivate it. Mm. And so just over the course of a number of years, that's what my husband and I did. And we worked really hard um, at doing that. And, and so closer than the sisters really, just kind of a, a reflection on that and what we learned and um, just the beauty of what, you know, community can be when, when it's, um, when we cultivate it, when we do that right. to do it. It does seem sometimes like um, we don't often receive exactly what we imagine in our heads is going to be, you know, our experience, I think it's especially difficult if you're perhaps moving from one area to the to another. I know my personal experience is moving across, um, not just across the state, but a, to a different country, and and trying to forge friendships there and and learn what community was going to be in a totally different culture. And I mean that even exists in the United States as well. I mean you can move across the country and be in a completely different culture mm-hmm. as well. And yet the the thing that is really incredible about um, the experience of being a Christian is that our our friendships go far beyond just our demographics or um, personal experiences and personal taste and culture. And the thing that really does unite us is is the Lord and and Scripture. Um, but we can't. I think we can't really experience that unless we are involved in knowing God through His Word. And I wanted to ask you about your take on this in terms of Bible literacy. Why is, why is Bible literacy and fluency so essential to understanding friendship? And, and how do words like community and sisterhood change in light of the gospel and what Christ has accomplished for us? Well, I would say that biblical literacy and friendship are linked together. The mm. Bible teaches us that God is the first community the triune God, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, were all present together at creation when God said, let us make man in our own image. Mm. We're all image bearers and we image and reflect God when we live in community with others. The Bible also teaches us about our adoption in Christ and how we are united to him by faith. It teaches us that through our union with Christ, we're also united to one another. All those who come to Christ by faith are united together into this big, beautiful family called the church. Mm -hmm. And that's why we often see the Bible use familial language to describe people in the church. Mm -hmm. 
we share more than uh, than like DNA that we share with our biological siblings. With our siblings in Christ, we share the blood of Christ. And so our union with one another is eternal. So we really are closer than sister. And this union that the Bible talks about is foundational for our relationships with one another in the church. Our relationships grow and thrive out of our union with Christ. And so only insofar as we understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us in bringing us into adoption into God's family, can we live out that union in our relationships with one another? I think you touched on this just a few minutes ago, but when, if somebody's asking, you know, why, why is my relationship with somebody that maybe I don't know very well in church or, uh, or somebody I'm getting to know in church, how is that different from um, other relationships? How would you answer them? Well, we certainly do have many friendships with people who are not in the church. Um, and while those friendships can certainly be close and important to us, uh, Truly, it's only the friendships we have with other believers that is eternal. Mm. It is those friendships that are going to go on into eternity where we will live together and worship our Savior face to face. We are united together in our common love for Christ. And that's not something that we share with those outside the church. Yeah, it does present some difficulty, probably. for people who maybe haven't experienced close friendship within the church, when it comes to how we relate to one another, what should those kinds of friendships with those people that we attend church with, what should those look like? So in the book, Closer Than a Sister, I highlight a number of characteristics of what our relationships look like. And it's not an exhaustive list, certainly. Right. But the ones I highlight are, the first is that, we serve one another. We meet one another's practical needs. Uh, I also talk about mourning together. We mourn with one another in the church, um, our losses and our heartaches. I also talk about rejoicing together. Uh, When God provides a blessing in someone else's life, we rejoice with that person because we are united to them. And so the joy that is happening in their life is our joy as well. I also talk about um, our growth together as we use the gifts and graces that God has given us for building up the church body. We all grow together and build up the church. Um, I also talk about discipling one another um, as we live out the admonition in Titus 2 for older women to teach younger women how to live out the gospel in our lives. Um, That's an important characteristic of our sisterhood. And then lastly, I talk about um, exhorting one another as we, um, you know, when we have a sister in Christ who stumbles into temptation and sin and we come alongside her and just point her to the gospel and to the truth of who she is in Christ, um, we are living out our unity um, with Christ and one another. And so these, each of these characteristics that I discuss in the book are really the natural outworking of living out what it means to be united to Christ and one another. Okay. That's really neat. I'm 
I'm excited to um, get to share this book with other people because I think this is a very valuable topic. Obviously, this is something that, you know, a lot of us are tempted to just come to church and not do anything beyond that. We come to church, maybe we sit next to somebody that we kind of know, but we don't go any deeper than that. So what are some ways that we can develop friendships that go beyond just, you know, shaking somebody's hand at church or, you know, just asking how was your week or something like that? What is What does that look like practically? Um, what goes into building that? That's a great question. You know, most of our friendships do start at that you know, kind of level that you're talking about. Um, we, you know, might meet somebody new and, and discover that we have some sort of shared interest, whether it's a hobby or favorite sports team, or maybe we discover that we grew up in, you know, the same area. Um, but for a relationship to go deeper than that, you know, we have to take certain steps because otherwise we'll just stay kind of stuck there. Um, so the kind of friendships that we're talking about, especially in the book, are ones where people know more than just mere facts about us. You know, they know our hopes and dreams, our losses and heartaches, our struggles and temptations. And that only happens over the course of time and history. So these kind of friendships really are often forged through fires of trials and suffering as we walk alongside others and they walk alongside us in our sufferings. And so it's not something that um, happens quickly. Uh, it takes time. And, but friendships won't go beyond, you know, how was your week? It was fine kind of thing. Um, if we don't make intention that it does. So we, sometimes we have to be that person that takes that first step to uh, deepen our friendships. Um, we have to be the friend that, that we want to be, you know, that we want to have. We need to be that to other people. So, you know, it takes yeah. steps of welcoming people into our lives, of inviting them into our homes, of, you know, asking them, hey, let's meet for coffee, um, of praying with other people, of just talking about what God is teaching us in our lives or, or asking deeper questions beyond, hey, did you catch the latest episode of whatever TV show that we might enjoy? Uh, right. Saying, you know, what what have you learned from God this week? Or, you know, how can I pray for you? Or, you know, what, what you know, kind of issue are you dealing with right now that you really need someone to encourage you in, right, in your life? Um, so it really involves just taking that step of, um, you know, asking probing questions or sharing things that, that you want uh, prayer for, of saying, maybe even reaching out to someone and saying, hey, I, I saw this great book on some, you know, topic of maybe spiritual growth. Uh, would you like to read it with me? We could, we could meet pretty periodically yeah. and, and just talk about it. You come over to my house and we could have tea or coffee and talk about what we're learning. Um, Things like that yeah. just really kind of open the door for that um, to take place. And to, I, I, it's it's true that it can feel uh, awkward sometimes or it's a bit uncomfortable if it's not something that you're used to doing. Um, but it really is when you read uh, the New Testament, especially about the early church, and you see 
all of these admonitions of how we are supposed to treat one another and, and do life together, you realize that there's a level of honesty there that um, we don't often see in our churches and that we really should pursue. So as I'm listening to you, Christina, one of the things that's coming to mind is is my own tendency, um, just as a c- confession time, I guess, um, that I... I no, I know a lot of women who struggle with fear and self-protection. It's something that I personally struggle with as well, where you kind of keep things surfaced because you're protecting yourself. And those are, I think those are some of my biggest obstacles to to getting deep with people is if I don't feel an instant connection, I often protect myself because I'm afraid. Um, what kind of other obstacles do we often experience, do you think, in terms of the things that prevent us from going deep and what are ways that we can overcome that? What, what do we need to do to overcome that? I mean, I know what God has done in my heart to help me with that, but I'm wondering if you would share, if you have some thoughts about how we overcome those obstacles. That's a great question. I mean, and I, I have to say that there's not some sort of magic formula that if you do this, then you're going to have some, you know, super wonderful, with somebody necessarily um, because I've had I can tell you many occasions of times when I have tried to deepen a friendship with somebody and it just didn't go anywhere um, and, and that was maybe sad um, but I, you know I think that for whatever reason you know some people maybe just aren't ready or they just have some things from their past like you said that's an obstacle for them and you know, it's okay. It's okay. The Lord will, you know, if you pray about it, I think the Lord will bring the people into your life that need uh, the kind of friendship that we're talking about. Yeah. And so, um, so there are, are obstacles. Sometimes it's on our end. Sometimes it's on the other end or maybe both, you know, both of us mm-hmm. obstacles. Um, you know, sometimes it's simply fear of what the other person's going to think of us, fear of rejection. And, um, you know, just kind of letting our, you know, our masks off, you know, so people see what we really look like or what life really is like for us. And that there is a, a certain vulnerability there that is, is difficult for everybody. Um, and I, I don't, I wouldn't recommend just necessarily in, immediately doing that. I think that it's a process, um, but that we have to kind of, take some slow initial steps to work toward that. But I don't think, you know, you're going to shake hands with um, a new person at church on Sunday and then on Monday, bear your soul to them. And then on Tuesday, your best friend, you know, it's, it's a gradual um, process of just living life together. And I think the best way to start is simply by serving um, and meeting other people's needs and, and just being and praying for them. And as you do that, you get to, you know, you have, you get to hear more about them and then they know more about you. It's just, it's really a gradual thing. And some of those fears I think aren't, uh, aren't as realistic because they don't, it's not going to happen right away that that first time that you sit down to coffee with somebody, it's a gradual give and take. And um, it really is over a course of time that you look back and you realize that you have a deep friendship with somebody, especially after you've gone through something difficult and they've stepped up and they 
they've met you there in that suffering or trial that you've gone through and they've been faithful to you. They've prayed with you. They've encouraged you. They've met your physical, temporal needs, all of those things. And then you realize, wow, this, this is a a good friendship. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's so good. And it, it's encouraging both to me to look back at, at relationships that I have and recognize how many years have gone into a lot of good relationships that I have. And then also just the miracle in some ways that an instant connection can be, but it's, it's so comforting to know also that, um, that it doesn't have to be an instantaneous like spark of friendship where you're just like, ah, where have you been all my life or something like that? You know, it can be something that just builds over time. And sometimes those are the most solid relationships, the ones that aren't just emotionally driven, um, instant connections maybe. But sometimes they do happen quickly. Um, Yeah. And I, I've met friends that way who, just rather than, you know, you start off with the small talk stuff, they started off with right away sharing their story and asking me about mine, you know, and it just, we just kind of skipped over those first few steps. And, and I, that I was fine with that and um, kind of refreshing. And, you know, there are special uh, circumstances of life where that requires that, you know, if you tend to move a lot for work or you're in the military or something like that, you know, you kind of have to make friends quickly and you kind of have to skip over all of those, uh, that initial, initial dance steps, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, so it can happen both ways, but I, I think most of the time it does seem to happen over the long term. Um, but you just have to take those small steps. Yeah. It seems like you, you know, you mentioned the need to serve and how important that is. And I think that, that's a really good reminder because we often want to just kind of walk into a situation and, and just be happy and feel comfortable. And, and a lot of the time that requires us to lay our lives down and really love one another. Like you talked about just considering what scripture has to say about relating to one another and how we treat each other. Um, Are there habits and thought patterns that we ought to be avoiding in order to foster close Christian friendships with others? There are um, one that comes to mind immediately is when we think that everybody else has it all together, except for us. Right. So like I look at other people and I think, well, they don't have any struggles or they don't face any temptations to sin or that they're just somehow more spiritually superior than I am in some way. Then I'm less likely to be honest with them about my life. But when I remember that we all come to faith, the same way by grace through faith, Mm -hmm. then I'll see that everybody has sorrows and fears, heartaches and broken dreams. Everyone is tempted to sin. Everyone experiences the brokenness of this fallen world. And we all need a savior. We all need to drink from his well of grace. And that kind of changes um, the way I approach people. Right. A second uh, and related to, to that is, um, Avoiding comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, we really can't compare ourselves to others. God writes individual stories for each of us, and they're all woven together into his grand story of redemption. He loves each of us equally. And so there's no need to look at what he's doing in someone else's life and compare ours to theirs. 
It only produces envy and bitterness, both things that interfere with our unity with one another. And so we should replace thought patterns like that with the truths of who Christ is, uh, about our union with him and, and our union with one another. And we really should remind ourselves that this union we have has a gospel purpose to tell the world of who Christ is and what he has done. The more that we grow in our relationships with one another in the church, the more that we live out our union, the more the world sees the truths of the gospel. And so remembering our union with one another really also helps us when we face, you know, conflicts or disagreements or misunderstandings with one another in the church. That is such an important thing to know, too, that you know, everything that we're doing as we relate to one another is telling a story about who God is and how how his son died for these broken people and is uniting them in him. And um, and the, the unity that we have with Christ, with each other, is such a powerful statement to our world. And I think, like you were talking about, avoiding comparison, um, when we act like, you know, we we come to God with something more than somebody else did, really what we're doing is forgetting the work that he's done on their behalf. And that's um, ultimately we're forgetting what he's done for us as well. And that's so important to remember that he's he's doing a good work in them and he's going to complete it. He's faithful to them as well as to us. And that's, oh man, I struggle so much with comparison. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I, that is one thing that is definitely a temptation for me to look at somebody else and say they probably never sin like, like not really not really using those words but to look at them and be like man i don't see any i don't see any struggles there what are they even having trouble with in their life um so when it comes to being an encouragement to one another in our local churches that's something that we're trying to focus on this year um, with the podcast is is bringing in this question about um encouraging one another on these topics. So what, what are some ways that we can encourage one another in our local churches and small groups um, to develop friendships? Is it just as simple as modeling it ourselves? Modeling uh, is a powerful way, certainly. Um, we really have to live out what we want to see happen in our churches. And it certainly helps when those who have some position of leadership in the church models what it looks like. Um, you know, I, I've had many people in my life, uh, you know, such as elders' wives or women's ministry leaders who have modeled that for me. Um, and really what, what we're doing when we're modeling things like that, we're saying this is what Christian community looks like. Right. And when leaders do that, you know, and when it becomes part of, part of the rhythm and, and ways of the church, then everybody kind of falls in line. Yeah. Um, and so, and I think we need to encourage one another just uh, within the church of, to take that initiative, to get to know people in a deeper way, to provide even practical opportunities for it, whether it's through our, you know, small groups or just opportunities for fellowship. I think it's also uh, important to consider the people who are on the outside, hmm. um, kind of on the um, sidelines of the church. There's always those people. There's always people who are very involved and very active in the church. And so those are the ones we tend to turn to, and they are the ones we tend to develop our friendships with. But 
think we need to encourage people in our church to look to those on the sidelines, those who don't participate as much, people who maybe just come on Sundays, but not for any of the other extra things, or maybe people who are brand new, um, those kind of things. Look for people who maybe you're not even naturally uh, drawn to. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, maybe someone who's not in your same stage of life. You know, if, if you're married with a family, reach out to those who are single, you know, or someone who's a widow, you know, those kind of things. And and invite those people into your life, you know, um, have them be a part of it. And I, I think that that will you'll be surprised at how God can use that, um, and, and that you, it would be a mutual encouragement. Yes. Amen. There's so much that we miss out on when we're not willing to extend ourselves and, and try to, um, find people that are different than us. And, you know, we, it's. I think it's easy for singles to think that they have nothing to give to a family, um, and it's it's easy for big families sometimes to think, oh, you know, they wouldn't want to come be at our table for you know <laughs> supper or something like that. But I've been amazed at how the Lord has just grown our relationships and developed the fellowship around our table in our home. Um, as we've just welcome people in that just don't seem necessarily like their exact circumstances match ours. You know, that's actually been some of the bigger blessings are, are the people that are remarkably different from, from us. I've loved that. Um, thank you again so much for being here today, Christina. I've really enjoyed this conversation and, um, just, I continue to be blessed by your work with Encourage, with, um, the writing that you've done and the book writing you've done. So thank you again for blessing us today with this conversation. I really appreciate it. One last question that I ask every guest, is there something that the Lord has been using in your life lately to encourage you in your walk with him? I love this question. Um, I would say there's multiple things. One is friends that uh, speak the gospel to me. Mm. Uh, When I'm discouraged or discontent with life, the Lord uses other people to remind me of what is true. Um, And I'm thankful for that. Uh, The second is my prayer time. It's always an encouraging time with the Lord. And I love just watching how he answers prayers and just pausing to rejoice in it. Um, Also, my time in the word is always an encouragement. Um, I like to read through the Bible each year. Although it generally takes me longer than a year to read the whole Bible, but (laughs) I say I'm reading in a year. Um, But I love how I learn new things, even though I read the same books of the Bible over and over and over. And, you know, I get excited more when I realize, oh, I'm coming back to this book again. I wonder what I'm learning. So, so yeah, definitely. there's, there's a lot of ways that the Lord um, encourages me. Oh, praise God. That's so excellent. Thank you again. Where can we find you on the internet? Um, would you share where you are at on social media and on the internet for us so that our listeners can um, connect with you there and hear more from you? Yes. Um, so my website is christinafox.com, and that's where I post blog posts, and you can learn more about my books there. I also have an author page on Facebook, Christina Fox Author. Um, I also will on there post different articles I've written at other uh, websites and uh, ministries that I write for. I'm on Twitter at Christine R. Fox. 
and Instagram at Christina Excellent. Thank you so much. We'll look forward to hearing more from you soon. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this. Oh, good. 